After six weeks without content, we are back in business. Loki is premiering on June 9th, but before we get there, we want to catch you up on all the characters, storylines, and plot points to expect in this series. It's your Loki primer, and it starts right now. I am Loki of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. Back once again with a primer edition of the Direct Podcast, getting you ready for the next installment into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is Loki. Matt, you know, back at Disney Investor Day, back in December 2020, there was all this content that we were so excited for. WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki. Now we are two series deep. We're gearing up for the third. And I know we were talking before we hit record, kind of feeling a little wishy-washy in terms of anticipation just because we've been blessed with two great shows so far but at the same time it's loki it's our boy it's burdened with glorious purpose tom hiddleston i'm getting stoked just getting off the top how you feeling going in i am feeling like this is going to be the most fun of the disney plus show so far i am excited for the novelty that this show i think is going to bring um what made wandavision and falcon and winter soldier so awesome you know looking back is how important these characters are fixing to be moving forward in the MCU. Like, we potentially have our next Doctor Strange villain out of WandaVision. We have our new Captain America out of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we could kind of anticipate that those things might be happening throughout the show. Going into Loki, though, I have no clue where this is going to land, where this is going to begin, or even how, when, or why this is going to touch any other project in the MCU. I'm sure it will, because Marvel, that's kind of their staple, is making everything matter, and, you know, um, you know, everything makes sense. So, Loki just being what it is, being such a, such an in-your-face side story, I have no idea where it's going to land, but it makes me excited, but also it makes me more excited for the ride and less for the result. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think that's like yeah. the way to go in because what's very odd about this series, not so much odd, but this is the third of the three and it's undoubtedly just like Falcon Winter Soldier was. It's going to get compared to WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier. What's nice about this one though, for us personally, WandaVision I know was like your bread and butter. This is what you had been wanting for for so long. Right. Top of your list in terms of anticipation. Same thing with me and Falcon Winter Soldier. Now mm -hmm. we're kind of on like an equal playing field in terms of anticipation, expectations, it's it's fun and i'm excited nice. to go into the series so before you know we get into the nitty-gritty of details uh in terms of plot and everything let's talk about what we can expect from this show off the top real quick releasing on june 9th 2021 two days up from when it was originally slated to drop on june 11th obviously marvel switching now to wednesdays with their drops That's probably right. to avoid interference with those friday movies that are eventually going to come out feels so right to just say that again so crazy to think about right? man Oh, June 9th. How about June 9th, which is great, obviously <laughs> on Disney Plus, and it, it's an exclusive. We know this, we've been here before, and it's going to be for six episodes. So, a six week stretch, just like Falcon Winter Soldier, every Wednesday throughout June and some of July as well. Mr. Time Management, Liam Crowley, um, I have a question for you. Me and you both worked on an article, which is something we don't do enough, by the way. Yeah, we, we need to collab more on, on the nearly on the enough articles. But yeah. we worked on the time management article for WandaVision, which was a booming success and something that me and you both had such a good time working on together. You yeah. remember that? I remember that, yeah. yeah. What are you predicting, seeing? Have you read anything in trades about 
um you know the run times for these episodes six episodes is this just a strict 59 minutes just like falcon and winter soldier or is this going to be a little more uh you know uh, short at the front long at the back kind of thing it's a very very interesting question because i kind of look at it with two sides with wandavision i feel like the run times are so tailored to it being a sitcom but falcon winter soldier it was longer because it was like an event series they never called they almost never called it uh, a series they kind of marketed it as a six episode events event Mm -hmm. and even though that there have been rumblings of a season two they might be leaning more towards movies so they kind of always position that as a limited series type thing loki we kind of already know we're gonna get a season two this could turn into its own kind of serialized franchise right so if that's the case they might not want to exhaust long run times on these episodes i do still think though the model and the goal is always going to be six hours of content for these shows if it's divided over nine episodes like with wandavision or six like with falcon winter soldier i think they are trying to hit that six hour sweet spot so i do expect it to kind of lean more towards the 40 to 50 minute range but yeah it's it's going to be especially intriguing the run times because i think it'll reveal a lot about their plans for like a season two season three mm-hmm. in the future i i completely agree and um it's really exciting that we're getting six whole weeks of Tom Hiddleston. Let's get into the characters, Liam. Let's dive into the cast and crew that's going to be steering this ship and guiding us through the journey that is Loki on Disney Plus releasing June 9th, 2021. Our main star. You know, usually we have an S at the end of this one. Who are the stars? This is the first solo Disney Plus series Marvel has put out. We've had WandaVision. We've had the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is Loki, straight up. The last of the big three, like you mentioned off the top, you know, the Super Bowl, the the now infamous Super Bowl sizzle that was a year early (laughs) in our lives. This was it. And we got one, you know, I think I I wrote the article. It was like five-second clip of Loki in the TVA. And what, what was the quote that he said? I'm going to burn this place to the ground. That's a really good Tom Hiddleston. You're really good at that. Um, Yeah, that's all we got from Loki on the first sizzle reel. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. But Loki officially grouped himself in with WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And and I think me and you both agree. It, it's so funny how you mentioned it. Like, I was championing WandaVision. You were championing Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now we're both kind of on the same playing field. The rankings episode is going to be electric because of that, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, but... WandaVision and the Falcon and Winter Soldier taught us some pretty clear lessons about these shows. They're character pieces, 100%. And I don't think that's going to change with Loki at all. They unexpectedly didn't expand into the MCU nearly as much as we thought. No MCU cameos in either show, despite one Don Cheadle. You know what I mean? And then that was that was the most cameo of cameos you could ever get, right? Um, so, you know, you take out War Machine, which was a brief at best, no MCU cameos in either of those shows. So expectations need to be tampered on that front. And then also both of those shows did one thing and they explored something very real in all of our lives. WandaVision was a deep dive on depression and grief, which was something weirdly unexpected, even though like looking back at the, uh, marketing material, we probably could have you know, piece that together, but it was so beautiful how they handled depression, race, equality, and, and being your own person was the Falcon and Winter Soldier's message. And they handled it masterfully. We, we gushed about it for six straight weeks. Loki going to be a character piece. I think 
Is it going to touch on a deep political topic? I don't know. Am I expecting a single MCU cameo? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. But what I am expecting is as much screen time for Tom Hiddleston as Loki as we have ever seen. And Liam, I want to ask you, what are you most excited about with Tom Hiddleston as Loki, knowing this is the 2012 Tom Hiddleston playing Loki, burdened with glorious purpose? Hey, you're, you're Tom Hiddleston ain't too shabby yourself. That's, that's pretty solid. Um, uh, uh, Kong Skull Island. Okay. There we go. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> uh, the hero of the uh, the MonsterVerse, Tom Hiddleston. Right. Um, but I think you kind of answered it for me. I, I'm just excited to see 2012 Loki back in business because I Loki was always one of my favorite MCU characters. But then I think he ran into the problem of the, the same reason any comic writer who's ever touched Joker will always say the best part is the, the mystery and the backstory. Like oversaturation can be a problem with characters like that and it wasn't so much the mystery around loki it was having him do just about everything you know he he played the bad guy so well he played the anti-hero so well and then turning him like good in ragnarok i didn't absolutely love i i did like his one scene in infinity war i thought it really progressed the plot not just for thanos but for thor especially like the emotion on his face the reaction the you know we will ride again someday together like the sun will shine on us again someday brother like that's like a very powerful line um so he maximized his screen time there but i'm i'm most looking forward to the return of the era of loki that made me fall in love with the character to begin Mm -hmm. with because i thought he was very well done in the first Thor movie. I know a lot of people snooze on that movie and, you know, it's slow, but the character work in that movie, I think is very well done. Kenneth Branagh really brings out like the Shakespearean side Kenneth of Tom Branagh. Hiddleston, which is really cool. And then obviously he almost climaxes in uh, the Avengers movie, mixing in both like the, the, the thespian side with like the campy side in like mm-hmm. a very self-aware way, which is really cool. Yeah. And then I thought he had the perfect epilogue in the dark world because the reason why i love that movie so i don't even know if i can use the word love the reason why i tell people to go back and rewatch it is because of tom hiddleston like he carries that movie every scene he's in he absolutely steals and i think that that if you look at loki's appearances as like a trilogy i think that that is almost such a perfect mcu trilogy we got with the first thor movie avengers and dark world i think after that they did kind of like you know nostalgia pop oh here's loki again here's loki again and it was it was great and it was fun but it wasn't as good as it was in his first run and returning to that first run i think is gonna be where the magic begins and ends for this show and for that reason that's like my most anticipation in regards to the character kenneth barnard are you a harry potter guy liam yeah that's uh that's gilderoy gilderoy lockhart yeah Yeah. i found that out this year the year 2021 the year of our lord 2021 i found out that the guy who directed thor is Gilderoy Lockhart. (laughs) And he's the guy who opens Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Asgardian Distress Call. Yeah. So good, dude. Ragnarok is so perfectly right into Endgame, man. It's it's one of the most money transitions that there is, like, overall in the Infinity Saga, is Ragnarok into Endgame. It's like in an an album when a song ends and leads into the other. Dude, Mm. so good. Like, like rewatch order. Obviously, if you're ever watching these things first time, watch them in release order. But if you're doing your own rewatch, do Ragnarok right before Infinity War, and it's just so perfect. Um. Okay. So Tom Hiddleston, Loki, 2012. I 
couldn't agree more that this is the best Loki to go back to. This is the Loki that made us fall in love with the character. The I don't think people had an issue with Loki specifically in Thor 1. I just think the pacing of that movie is really what drags it down for a lot of people. And you mentioned that. It's slow. It is a slow movie. But it's the heel turn for Loki throughout that movie. Like People people tend to forget he starts that movie off on the team. You know, it's Thor, Lady Sif, and uh, the Warriors 3, and Loki. And, And, you know, he's friends, and he even has a line. He's friends with everybody, not just Thor's brother. He's a part of the squad, and then he turns. And that's why his appearance in Avengers is so just electric. It's an electric, you know, person to have in this show because he would, he did have that heel turn, but now he's back and he's pissed. And this is the Loki that we're going to get in this. It's so interesting. You know, a lot of people want to harken back to Ragnarok and Infinity War where his character arc really completed. In Ragnarok, he was still a dick. People Like, you know, let's not act like Loki was this soft little buddy rabbit the entire uh movie of ragnarok he was an asshole a lot of the time thor had to get the one up on him which is one of the best redemptions you'll ever see in the mcu is thor getting loki you know but um he does have that you know a character arc where he turns into more of a hero when he comes back to save thor in infinity war like you said maximizes his screen time in just a beautiful beautiful way best on-screen death in the mcu by far um Yeah. yeah So, so a lot of people are like, okay, so are we going to like get that, you know, the hero Loki again, the Loki we can cheer for? No, I don't think we are. I think we're going to get asshole 2012 Avengers Loki, but we're going to cheer for him because this is his show now, you know, like it's going to be so interesting for people's minds to kind of process that a little bit thinking like, yes, I'm obviously cheering for Loki because I've loved him since, you know, I was in. I was a junior in high school the first time I met Loki in theaters, you know, like he's been, he's been a character in the MCU as long as anybody I'm going to cheer for him. But like, we don't need to be like, Oh man, like I wish he did something more heroic there. Like, like this is going to be raw 2012 Loki and we're going to see what happens, but I'm just excited for Tom Hiddleston to embrace the best part of this character that he has molded for over a decade now. Absolutely. And you know, we are getting, a familiar face with Loki. He really only is our only familiar face. As you mentioned, WandaVision kind of played off that two lead uh, structure, mm-hmm. same with Falcon Winter Soldier. But we do have a lot of new characters and only a couple that are named. So just to go <laughs> through the list real quick, we got Gugu Mbatha-Ra as Ravona Lexus Renslayer. You'll recognize her from the trailers as kind of the judge in the TVA. What's going on there? You know, maybe giving Loki his sentence, his work, whatever is uh going on there owen wilson obviously mobius m mobius a quote came out today recording from the boy kevin feige saying that he thinks mobius and loki could be one of the best on-screen duos in the mcu which is really really cool to hear uh wunmi mosaku i really apologize if i butchered that as hunter b15 obviously going to play a big supporting role and then just a (laughs) batch of characters right now a batch of actors excuse me Sophia DiMartino, Richard E. Grant, Sasha Lane, Eric, Erica Coleman, and Eugene Cordero, all as TBD. We just do not know. The only one that we have an ever so slight inkling towards is that DiMartino could and most likely will end up being Lady Loki. Matt, looking at that list of really just actors, because we only got a couple characters in there, where are where are the expectations at? Does this get you more excited that there's such an air of mystery around it, or are you just don't really know where to where to level your anticipation? 
So um, I assume we're going to talk at length about Owen Wilson being in the MCU near the end of this segment. So I'm going to start with Sophia DiMartino, um, perceived to be Lady Loki. I've done the trailer breakdowns for Loki so far on the direct. Thank you, Liam, for letting me do that. I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, a lot of the what looks like the B plot of this show, A plot being obviously Loki and the TVA fixing the timeline you know that's what they're pitching to everybody miss minutes out there strutting her curves you know what i mean is miss mm. minutes hot we'll get into it ah, <laughs> in, i like in it weeks, like in future it. weeks is what i mean like I mean, we don't we don't, haven't seen enough she's got the rogue voice so that's kind of all i do <laughs> you know like she does have that at least so um the a plot obviously being to- loki in the tva figuring out the timeline the b plot looks to be some hooded figure is getting in their way or causing problems for either Loki or the TVA or both. And um, it's been widely assumed that that is Lady Loki trying to combat whatever's happening with the TVA. I have thoughts on that later. But to me, that means Sophia DiMartino is going to have a big role in this um, if she ends up being Lady Loki as at least the antagonist. And I think that what we've seen from WandaVision and the Falcon Winter Soldier, Catherine Hahn and uh, Oh, I'm spacing on his name. Space on his name. John Russell. Uh, oh, Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Wyatt Russell and Catherine Hahn blew up in the eyes of MCU fans uh, for different reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, you know, people hated Wyatt Russell, but loved that they hated him because he's such a good actor. Catherine Hahn, she's amazing. Sophia DiMartino has the chance to slot into that role in this show and really kind of steal the show as you know, an actor that we kind of fall in love with, maybe not so much the character with the decisions or whatever happens, but I think a good performance we've expected as of now, Disney plus shows are going to give us a good performance out of whatever that main antagonist character is. And I think that might be Sophia DiMartino. Yeah. Sophia DiMartino, obviously she's been attached to this project for a very long Mm -hmm. time. And I think one of the first, I believe one one of the first and the fact that, you know, nothing has leaked out at least confirming her role. You know, we can piece together footage from trailers and all that um, is really uh, just a testament to show that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's something to protect here. And like, that's, that's always uh, cool to see with any show or movie that they're going to lengths to, to keep things under wraps. And obviously, like, she's a great actress as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the list, though, Richard E. Grant is someone I'm very, like, interested to see. I hate using that word because, like, I feel like everyone always uses interested. But, like, that's all I really have to label uh, Grant as because he's such a tenured actor. I mean, uh, one of the very few bright points in uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker uh, as the new kind of Imperial general. And I think he just plays that role, that menacing role, so well. Uh, he is only supposed to be in one episode, so... Don't really want to get my expectations too out of whack, but at the same time, kind of walked into Falcon Winter Soldier only expecting to see uh, Carl Lumley in one episode, and he ended up being in three. So who's to say uh, if one episode, three episodes, who knows, but obviously an actor the caliber of Richard E. Grant going to play some sort of pivotal role. And uh, I feel like we just got to talk about the man now, like Owen Wilson. Real quick, before we get into that, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know you're about to throw a Cars reference and stuff, but I feel like we need to at least talk about uh, Mabathra and um, Masaku as they seem to be, you know, Moby. we're going to talk about Moby's here in a second. They seem to be representing the TVA as characters. You know, like we're going to learn about the TVA through these characters, the bureaucratic judge in uh, Ravonna Alexis Renslayer, and then the muscle of Hunter B-15, which... Disney, something about Disney 
properties and the muscle character i've always loved like yeah. um uh who was taika Waititi in the mandalorian uh ig 11 oh, ig 11 yeah. was incredible right yeah. and um you know moving forward with that there's i i just think that uh I, just something about the name hunter b15 i expect to love her i don't know what it is yeah. It might be it might be my Star Wars fix not being tapped lately. I need to watch Star Wars, by the way. Um, FN two one eight seven. Oh, stop it! You see, like that's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, so I think that we should be looking to those two actresses, um, as you know, kind of our representation of the TVA. And like I mentioned earlier, Sophia DiMartino seems to be combating the TVA's missions here because she's mm. being portrayed in the trailers just kind of like by the music and just kind of the way they're shooting her. Like she's beating TVA agents asses all the time. Yeah. We're sketched out by the TVA immediately, right? Like government entities in Marvel movies. No good. Usually. Usually. Yeah. Sophia DiMartino's perceived character makes me think that these two characters representing the TVA, that being Renslayer and Hunter B-15, I think they're going to have some depth to them from a suspicious standpoint. Like the sus list from uh, Robbie Barstool's My Mom's Basement, I think it's going to be hot with Hunter B-15 and Renslayer. That's, uh, I, I, it's interesting to look at it that way. Like I, I don't disagree, but like, I feel like I almost have to flip all my expectations with a show like this because like Loki. it's it's Loki and it's 2012 Loki. So if Loki's saying he's going to burn this place to the ground, does that mean it's a, a bad place? It's a place we want to be burnt. <laughs> probably means the quite opposite. So and also if like if she ends up being Lady Loki, like she's up to no good, you'd have to think. So I don't know. I it's 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 important that you bring that part up though because government agencies in Marvel movies are never to be trusted. Never. But for whatever reason, from the jump. I've always just looked at the TVA of like, oh no, they're they're doing the right thing. They're correcting mm-hmm. the timelines. Like they're on our side. Mm-hmm. And what makes you think they're on your side, Liam? What what presence might make you think that you're excited about the TVA? Uh, probably the three-time Piston Cup champion, Lightning McQueen, <laughs> uh, captaining uh, over there, Owen Wilson. I mean, come on, it's really cool uh, to see an actor wow. as tenured as him. Uh, and such a comedic actor to make his way into kind of an unfamiliar role, I'd say, yeah. largely. I know Different. Owen Wilson has some done some dramatic roles before, and I wouldn't call this full-on dramatic, but it's a step into a new ballgame kind of for him. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the first trailer came out, uh, when I, I wrote that trailer breakdown article on Disney Investor Day, I had to like do a double take. I was like, I think that's Owen Wilson. I recognize the voice. I didn't, I didn't recognize his face immediately. And I think that's really cool for for an actor like him to kind of, morph himself into this universe and not necessarily be like oh that's that's owen wilson in a marvel movie it's like no that's owen wilson playing mobius who's a character in the marvel movie right and his chemistry with uh with uh tom hiddleston is going to be someone to watch out for his chemistry with tom hiddleston is being praised throughout rags everywhere you know what i mean like this is this is kind of the spectacle of the show for people who have seen the show like hey you know we know this is confusing. We know this is, you know, kind of an interesting take on whatever we're trying to do in phase four, but be excited for Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston as Mobius and Loki in this show. Um, I, I think about um, Jeff Bridges a lot, um, not necessarily from a comedy standpoint. They're, those two really couldn't be farther apart from a comedy standpoint, even though they're, you know, two of the biggest comedy movies of all time, Wedding Crashers and The Big Lebowski, they both starred. Um, but just the quality of character you're going to get from Mobius by bringing in Owen Wilson is just, the floor is so high 
for any character Owen Wilson plays in the MCU because we know the writing is going to be good. We know tonally these things are going to be just spectacular because you know you can argue which movies you like and don't like based on plot points, but tone has never been an issue in the MCU. That's kind of what makes it great. You know, we took we took Back in Black and extended it into twenty five movies, and and so. We know at least what they're going to give Owen Wilson is great. And knowing who Owen Wilson is and knowing him taking a Marvel role is a big deal. It, it just creates so much intrigue around this character. I cannot wait to see the back and forth. I cannot wait to see the banter between these two. Like, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, early 2000s comedy, you know, but like Wedding Crashers, oh, Zoolander, yeah. um, you know, all those Starsky and Hutch, they're so all those movies are great comedies and they're so based on the chemistry between whoever's talking to each other in any given moment, knowing that Tom Hiddleston is going to bring his a game as his Loki and knowing Owen Wilson's going to bring it in as whatever he's going to end up being. I just think it's going to, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being our favorite duo of phase four out of the big three so far. And that's huge to say, because I mean, Sam and Bucky, WandaVision, the best romance in the MCU. I said it. And and we're about to get these two together. And I'm I'm genuinely excited for them to be my favorite coming out of this. Yeah. Uh the, the chemistry is, is kind of what the show is hanging hanging its shoulders on. Is like from this a is promotional the standpoint. Absolutely. Like there are a lot of shots of Loki uh solo, but a lot of shots and trailers and TV spots are Loki and Mobius, like side by side and like interacting with each other. <coughs> Damn it. I told myself I wasn't going to cough on air, but it's, it's, we're, we're recovering. We're recovering. Remember we my this. voice last week? Yeah. Remember my voice last week? Well, cherish what, what we got this week. Cause it's, and, it's 80%. And if you don't make sure to check out episode 35 of the direct podcast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a listen, it's, <laughs> it's a listen, a listen. <laughs> but no, back to, back to Mobius and Loki. Uh, I think their dynamic is going to be very I don't want to say like platonic per se, but like they're going to have a very odd balance because aside from like Sam and Bucky, Wanda and Vision, they knew each other before. Like they had like an established base. This is going to be something completely new uh, because it's a new character we haven't met before. So you're you're not having the the balance of WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier where it's almost like a 50-50 split of trusting these characters and being comfortable with these characters. We're really leaning on Loki to get us comfortable with a character like Mobius and then Mobius to play off that. So sure. it's going to be someone to watch out for. Uh, but honestly, like if Feige's saying they nail it and the directors and writers are saying they nail it, like I, I trust that they're going to nail it. And uh, yeah, as you said, mid 2000s, Owen Wilson, like he thrives in those buddy, like dual mm-hmm. lead movies. Right. So giving him a full series with an actor like Tom Hiddleston to work with, it's someone to watch out for. If I could pick one line from these trailers and teasers and everything we've gotten, and hope that they expand on that one line. It's when Loki asks Mobius, "Hey, do I do I get a weapon?" And Owen Wilson goes, "Nah, <laughs> yeah. nah, you're fine." Like, like I hope they take that energy and expand that throughout the whole show because, like that, that's the kind of stuff I'm showing up for from a character standpoint. We're gonna get into the story though, but uh, real quick, Kang the Conqueror. He yep. is welcome to our new Mephisto, right? Like, oh, like, like this is going like this is even worse because like we actually see him in these trailers. Like, like he's there, yep. right? So for those who don't know, Kang the Conqueror is a major A-list 
Loki and Thanos level Avengers villain throughout comic book history. And his whole thing is time travel. He does not like it when his present isn't working out for him. So his solution is always to go back in time and correct whatever systematic reasoning is for that. Jonathan Majors has been cast as King the Conqueror for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Still my favorite title in Phase 4. Um, and so he's been rumored to be in this show for a variety of reasons. One, this show is all about time. Two, yeah. this show features Ravona Alexis Renslayer, played by Gugu Mabothraw, a known love interest of King the Conqueror in the comics. And then three, there's statues and symbols everywhere of the timekeepers, the ones who hold the TVA together. I wrote an article saying that these are lizards, time lizards, and we're going to get comic booky and weird because that's what Disney Plus does, right? But King the Conqueror has always also been shown as potentially one of these timekeepers. Liam, do you have any expectations for Jonathan Majors and King the Conqueror in Loki? I just find it hilarious because we know what we're about to get into. As you said, the new Mephisto, Kang. Mm -hmm. Kang confirmed. Kang going to show yep. up. Oh, yep. This is Kang week. Like there was a headline <laughs> I saw uh, in weeks leading up, weeks prior, that said Kang, as if, as if he was like injured and expect, like, expected to play tonight. Expected it said to Kang expected to make his MCU debut in Loki. As if it was like Anthony Davis expected to play tonight to at, at least a quarter with his like uh, calf strain or whatever happened there. Like just that headline of like treating these movies like it's like sports almost. I love that. Don't That's get exactly me wrong. what this podcast was built off of, William. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, but it's also like I love it. Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about a Kang appearance because I don't want to put too much stock in it because I feel like and we'll know. Not when Black Widow comes out. Not, I, I honestly probably not till Spider-Man No Way Home about how much these shows really affect the movies. Not that they're not canon. They absolutely are. But sure. Kevin Feige's vibe, I feel like with what he's been saying about the shows is that they're auxiliary. And in terms of the diehard MCU fans are going to watch them and love them and, and follow them and watch every week, theorize with us, listen to this podcast and whatnot but some mcu fans are only going to see the movies and they don't want to feel like they need to do extra homework so if you go into multiverse of madness you can still comprehend that movie without having to watch wandavision necessarily that's what that's what like i feel like that's what they're kind of setting up for i think wandavision will ridiculously enhance your viewing experience sure. but if you don't watch it you're not going to be completely lost Again, might it be sounds like a segment. It sounds like a segment. Yeah, might sounds like a segment. Might yeah. be disproven come March 2022. But if Kang appears in, yeah, wow, that's that's a that's a <laughs> put, put that in the bookmarker. Um, but so excited. <laughs> but if Kang appears in this show, I feel like that that notion is kind of completely washed away because Kang, I feel like, is being positioned to maybe be, be the big. next thanos the next kind of mm -hmm. loki or ultron a big avengers level villain obviously he's going to be the main bad guy of ant-man quantum mania and a lot of people will write that off and say oh well you know he's going to be the bad guy in an ant-man movie yeah loki was the bad guy in in the first thor movie essentially and then he transitioned to avengers so there's no saying that a debut here bad guy in ant-man eventually you know bolster him up to to lead uh uh, an MCU, uh, not an MCU, excuse me, an Avengers movie as the main antagonist. Not to say that's not in the cards. If he does appear, I feel like the idea that the shows are more auxiliary is kind of pushed to the wayside. Sure. If he doesn't appear, 
I feel like that only emphasizes the idea that they are auxiliary because we had that whole uh, thing about how Cumberbatch was supposed to be in WandaVision and they cut the cameo last second with that same mentality mm-hmm. of like, you know, we don't need to bring in the, the A-list theatrically released main faces. We can rest these shows on the shoulders of the characters who are literally in the titles. So Kang, don't know if I say I hope he shows up, but if he does, I hope it serves the story. Sure. Um, I just need to get on record that I do not support lessening WandaVision because of reports coming out two months later, too. Um, <laughs> not that you were doing that, but people are doing that, by the way. I don't understand. I, it I doesn't think make the any sense. It would have been fun, but it wasn't essential. It doesn't make the show worse because we didn't get it. Like, he, he would have been in the commercial for the, the <laughs> pill right. or something. Nothing is, crazy. is Snyder Cut worse because we did a Gate Greed later? No. No. It's- it's not it's the same. Yeah, probably yeah. could have been better though. Um, so as far as King of the Conqueror goes, I completely agree that um, you almost don't want to waste the debut here, right? Um, I think yeah. if I if I had to put my money on something, if I was a gambling man, which of course I'm not, I uh, I'm responsible for finances. Um, I if I had to guess, once we watch Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, there's going to be bits and pieces of Kang's backstory, dialogue, whatever it might be, that we're gonna be like, oh yeah, Loki, nice. Like we're gonna get hints of Kang here. We're going to get hints of just time terrorist kind of right. You know, we're gonna get hints of people like or exactly Kang affecting the timelines much like loki is so um i'm excited that the rumor is out there because it gives us content to talk about and yeah. it gives and it gives leah hills to die out guys that's all i'm yeah. looking for really when i put rundowns together i just look for a hill for leah to get up there and sacrifice himself to like some sort of samurai <laughs> warrior shout out the wolverine opening scene real quick okay one of the most underrated opening scenes in comic book history it is gruesome Let's move on to the people behind the camera, the people really making this thing go. As excited as we are for Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, let's talk about Kate Heron making her directorial debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Her previous works includes uh, Daybreak, one episode of that, but wow, what an amazing show that people just, like, you know, I've never seen it. Liam, you've seen it. And uh, people who watch that show love that show. And I think uh, Kate Heron's involvement of that is a great green check mark on her record sex education she did four episodes of that which again people love on netflix kind of a cult following kind of vibe by uh, kate heron here and numerous other short films so very green very fresh very kevin feige to pick this director liam do you have any reads on kate heron or what she could provide to our favorite god of mischief yeah daybreak is very very well made which is uh mm-hmm. great to hear i mean obviously the, great way I, to put it I like the story, um, but especially the way it's it's directed. I think it's a very uh, unique style that she brings, and I think that's like very well lent uh, to the world of the MCU. Sex education, never seen, but it lit, yeah, as you said, cult, love cult following. People adore that show, uh, and it keeps coming back for more seasons. So they're definitely doing something right there. And when she all these short films, when I was doing my research on her, she's won like random like awards like at local mm-hmm. film festivals for that kind of stuff. And I just kind of picture Kevin Feige, like keeping, keeping like the tickler file on like, you know, way back in 2014. Okay. You did good there. I'm going to keep, well, I'm going to keep following your career. We might have something for you down the line, literally like a scout, like going to like local film festivals and, and finding talent. Uh, I just, I, that's a, that's a mm-hmm. funny picture in my head, but yeah, Kate Heron, that's a name that, you know, we're kind of just familiarizing ourselves with now, 
we're going to be saying that a lot over these next six weeks. I mean, it was kind of the same with Shackman and Skarsgård, right? Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know Kerry from anything. I knew Matt Shackman from the television shows that he had yeah. worked on. But, um, I mean, if if Bonavision and the Falcon Winter Soldier is anything, they find directors who are great at what they're trying to do. Uh, Kerry Skarsgård, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Eric Skarsgård. Do I have yeah, throw yeah. the brain? Do I throw yeah. the brain right now? Nice. Uh, I, I I see it. Nice. Um. Uh. Did you ever see the uh, Chernobyl show on HBO? I have not. So good. He's great in it. That's my weekly recommendation for this bonus episode. Go. True listeners will know. But um, Carrie Scoglin, she was built to do those big action scenes surrounded by emotion, and I think that was a great extension of the Captain America franchise. And she did a really good job of that. I think we could both look back and think directorially that was the highlight of that show. With WandaVision, Matt Shackman did such a good job making us want to come back for more. Every single week, he had us on the edge of our seat. And as soon as, as, soon as that uh, please stand by hit, you know, we all just felt our hearts dropped. What's up? And he did the episode of, uh, of Game of Thrones where Daenerys first starts to snap a little bit. So, Are you, you know, kidding me, dude? Remember when she I when do she remember burns, that now. Burns the, uh, what's the family? The Tullys. The Tullys, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. greatest character arc in tv history um so so feige for these shows at least are finding directors that have very niche talents at what he's trying to do so i think Kay heron what she's going to bring to the table is a uniqueness to her is going to be different and weird but she's going to make you fall in love with the um creativity of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. whatever it ends up being she's going to make you fall in love with the fact that it's different and i think i'm excited about that from her Absolutely. And I feel like we got to get into the creator now because as, as these MCU shows kind of go, the one-two punch of the showrunner and director, well, not mm-hmm. even showrunner because they're not classifying them as showrunners. They're saying creator, writer, executive producer, kind of merging that all into one. Uh, but obviously, Falcon Winter Soldier Malcolm Spellman has talked uh, at length about his passion about so creating that show. You know, rumored, they won't confirm it, but apparently he's going to be doing Captain America 4, so he clearly did something right. And then I believe... <laughs> It's 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 uh, Jacques Schaefer, right? For yeah. one of it, Jack Schaefer and Matt Shackman. Unbelievable. And Christoph writing. Beck. I want to throw him in there oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me Very wrong. The, I mean, the, the writing, the writing on all these shows has been uh, second to none. Mm-hmm. And the guy we got coming in to pen the script here. You want to talk about rewards for directors after the fact? I don't believe Schaefer or Beck have anything MCU related lined up yet. But you know they're definitely being brought into the writers' room for Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness to kind of flesh out dialogue with Wanda and all that. Uh, Malcolm Spellman immediately gets a W with with Falcon Winter Soldier and is immediately rewarded, rumored, but come on, it's piling up with a Captain America 4 script to write. Michael Waldron, the creator of Loki, the writer, executive producer. You want to talk about putting stock in a man. Malcolm Spellman, they wait till after the show, booming success the day after the finale premieres, or I believe it was the day the finale premiered. Day of. We did the, we were recording and it broke. Yeah, we were. And it said Captain America 4, Wild Malcolm move. Spellman writing. <laughs> wow. Good on you, kid. You wrote a good show. You get to do Cap 4. Michael Waldron's show has not even come out yet. And this man has already wrote the script for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And is being brought on to write the scripts in the future for Kevin Feige's produced Star Wars film. This is a man that Kevin Feige wants by his side. 
This is a, a right-hand man, if you will, to Kevin Feige, a, a, a apprentice to, to the overlord that we have grown to know and love over the past 15 or so years. Michael Waldron is a name to remember to go through his previous work uh, community. He's a big part of, but he's very well known for Rick and Morty. Uh, he was a writer on one episode, but produced so many episodes of that show. And a lot of people, Rick and Morty, if you haven't watched it, don't write it off and just judge it by its cover. It's a cartoon, sure, but it is so smartly written. Genius. The, the plot is is actually well fleshed out. It's not a cartoon where each episode is standalone. Like the seasons kind of have a through line mm -hmm. narrative. It's so well done. It takes a lot of great brain power to bring that show together. Michael Waldron picking him out uh, to do that show. And another shout out I got to give uh, to him. He is a writer and an executive producer on Stephen Amell's show called Heels, a star series coming out this yes. summer, starring Stephen Amell, obviously from Arrow, and my boy CM Punk from WWE, because mm -hmm. yes, it is a pro wrestling show uh, talking about just that, that kind of crazy world. Michael Waldron, uh, I can talk at large for him. You know, we talk about stock and all that. I tell you to invest in internals, invest in Michael Waldron. You've heard this podcast, invest, 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 because this guy is going to go through the roof. Matt, I got to hear your takes. I mean, the, the direct podcast bump can't be denied at this point, right? We no, say, it cannot. We say buy your stock in internals. They drop a trailer that looks like an Oscar movie right away, right? Like, come on. Um, I don't remember what episode it was. I can't believe we've done 35 of these. Thank you, everybody who keeps listening. Um. I feel like we've talked about Michael Waldron being kind of Kevin Feige's guy when he got the Star Wars gig, right? Yeah, we've that was that was a that was a big news segment for us. I think we've said the name before. Yeah, so Michael Waldron has obviously impressed the man himself. Uh, you know, our Lord and Savior Kevin Feige, and um, you know, like you mentioned, just the fact that he came on to write Multiverse of Madness, and what I heard today, he wrote it twice because they had to rewrite that whole script like a year ago, which, you know. Puts that show on ice a little bit for me, but still excited. It's Wanda. I'm going to show up for my girl, Lizzie. But Michael Waldron has been given the keys to so many important characters in the MCU from a multiversal standpoint, right? Like, you know, people want to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home a lot as the multiverse key to the MCU. And I'll hand up. I was wrong that WandaVision did not break the multiverse open to the MCU. I thought it would. I thought it did episode five remember that shit it was great yeah, um man. but uh michael waldron has been given the key to write for all of the pieces that include what we know is going to be the multiverse just based on the title of the next doctor strange he gets the keys to multiverse of madness he gets the keys to loki who is rumored to be in multiverse of madness which we we should not go forward assuming that because it's been shaky um, so like, you know, in WandaVision, we knew she was going to end up in Dr. Strange, right? You know, the entire time we were watching that show, she was like, oh, somehow she's going to end up in Dr. Strange. Loki, we're not for sure. But what I do know is Michael Waldron, from a Kevin Feige standpoint, Michael Waldron is kind of the guy riding the multiverse angle in the MCU. And No Way Home is going to be a big key into what that really means from a Sony Disney standpoint. But within the can canonical MCU, Michael Waldron really has his um you know his pin on everything that's going to happen from a multiverse standpoint and i cannot wait for that because 
you know, one, we've been talking about it for what a fucking year now, you know, just multiverse yeah. in the MCU. Uh-huh. It's going to open so many doors. And I think that's a kind of the crux of this show. It's going to open doors for what types of stories we can tell. This is an Elseworld story taking place in a very distant timeline. And we're not 100% sure how it's going to affect the MCU. And this thing comes out in five days. So the synopsis of Loki. Let me, let me read it to you here. Liam, thanks for typing this out, my man. There we go. Picking up immediately after Loki steals the Tesseract again. He finds himself called before the Time Variance Authority, a bureaucratic organization that exists outside of time and space, forced to answer for his crimes against the timeline and given a choice, face deletion from reality or assist in catching an even greater threat. For years and years, we didn't interfere until now. What is that greater threat? What does face deletion even fucking mean nowadays, man? He's died three times on screen. Now he's got a show. Liam, the, the the story, the plot, the idea of Loki. Do you have any clue what's going on? This sounds like the synopsis to the first five minutes of the show, but not, <laughs> not the entire series. Like, I think that this is what's going to happen in literally the opening scene. In game up. And from there, it just gets turned on its head. Very uh-huh. random here, but maybe not so much. Kind of some Suicide Squad vibes, you know? You know, die right now or or help uh, us with this I greater see. mission. Type the, uh, the Amanda Waller thing. Yeah, exactly. Mobius. Like, not, not so much. Uh, a re- yeah. I wanted Amanda Waller, Waller character of the MCU. I just think it would be so cool. That would be very cool. Uh, but yeah, kind of assist with the, with the greater uh, threat. And what's the reward there? You get to go free like i i I don't know what the reward is it just kind of seems like he's being blackmailed (laughs) into like oh you either get deleted shout out 2017 matt hardy or like you know help us out with the bigger plot uh but yeah the the synopsis and the plot there we go yeah v1 throw it up i did the thing oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. if you're if you're a mid-2000s wrestling fan bless you for 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 listening (laughs) to this podcast and understanding all my niche references that's right but yeah like this synopsis like i said i feel like this is almost the description we get in episode one on disney plus and then from there who knows where we go from there i do kind of want to segue this into like the greater story because we don't really have any idea what to expect but Matt, we've both written a, a couple trailer breakdown articles. We've both gone at length about what this show could mean, rumored uh, people getting brought in. My very first article for the direct.com was about the uh, time police being involved, the, the cybernetic mm-hmm. police force mm-hmm. from the TVA, and they are called the Minutemen. That's what Minute it is. Men. I had to find mm-hmm. it for a second. But uh, yeah, the Minutemen are going to be involved in some I way. I believe. Yeah. Oh, did you? I did that thumbnail, yeah. Look at us, man. Nice. March nice. 2020, right when the, the pandemic hit. And I was like, hey, I got, 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 the an, website. Artic- got an article <laughs> yeah. if you'd like, to, you'd like to read that kind of stuff. About the um, Minutemen. <laughs> yeah, Minutemen. Remember that Disney Channel movie? Well, it's not related, but, you know, it's it's the same same word. British are coming. Anyways, um, there's other things that are involved. And I, I want to kind of segue into our, our plot points that we're most looking forward to even though none are really confirmed. Mine off the top, I really want to know how Rock's cart has to do with any of this because we obviously know from the comics, Rock's on like corporation, corporation. is a very big thing. Uh, linked to Iron Man, I believe. 
um it's 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 kind of sprinkled throughout everything uh, where i've read um you know just in the comics that i've read where it gets its most shine is in miles morales uh okay comics so i think i think it's more of a a spotty property than anything but it does trickle into the rest of the mcu uh rock song can be seen in daredevil the netflix series sure um so it's been sprinkled throughout so it's not necessarily a spider-man thing but it's definitely uh rock's cart is not nothing you know that's a rocks on reference we're coming back to those evil corporations man i can't wait yeah, I mean, like as <laughs> even as played out as they can be, like I still love them no, for whatever reason. I, I love. There's good six people. more we've never even heard of, man. Like, like cop is back, but anyways, haven't uh, got to Oscorp yet. <laughs> yeah, and we will, I think, maybe, maybe sooner than next. Who the hell knows anymore? Who the hell knows anymore? <laughs> uh, you can't do this to me. I built this company. I built this company. I sacrificed. Um, back to formula. But- but uh, what was it? Iron Man 1? I think there uh, were a lot of like rocks on gas stations or just like that okay. like iconography was like sprinkled into the background. Sure. Um, so the fact that it, like rocks cart, I believe, is not a familiar thing in the comics. People have just tied yeah. in rocks with the two X's. The two X's, yeah. And the logo specifically, yes. the way it's designed, that this has to be linked to the rocks on corporation. And the, the rocks cart like grocery store looks to be in like the distant future which is very intriguing from a storyline perspective because it kind of gives me, ready for this one, Wally vibes. Because remember yeah, the absolutely. corporation by absolutely. and large where it's like they're sprinkled into the modern mm-hmm. day. And, and anyone who like has seen the Pixar theory about how all those movies are connected, by and large is like the corporation, like, you know, gas stations and all that, buying everything up in like the Toy Story, like modern timeline. But then when Wally comes around, they've like, created like they own everything and earth is like amazon and yeah literally amazon so maybe roxon is a company we don't really know that much about in modern time and in this loki timeline or one of the many timelines they like take over the world and the the footage we see from the trailers uh it's like raining so i don't know if it's just a a miserable day or if it's like you know just like the planet has kind of gone to shit that's the world now yeah that's the world is just raining all the time (laughs) oh you rocks on corporation you they got they control the weather thanks Um, rocks on (laughs) but either way i I love a good evil corporation and i'm intrigued to see uh rocks on corporation or just rocks cart in general factors into the show yeah, and, and I feel like that is one of the best avenues to find ways into the grander MCU. You know, Phase 4 has been so dead set on building characters for later projects. Cap 4, Multiverse of Madness. And I think uh, Roxxon, you know, introducing them somehow here and then referencing them back. It's it's just, it's so, in, it's so weird to theorize about the show because this show is literally all about alternate timelines. Like, that's the entire yeah. basis of the show. Is timelines that aren't supposed to happen, timelines that don't affect this timeline, you know, things that we don't know if this is our main MCU timeline. We just really don't. And um, so it makes it hard to theorize. And, you know, I thought that was going to make this episode shorter, but it, it hasn't. And um, <laughs> um, it's just so interesting to go into this. I, I, I guess my biggest plot point I'm curious about is how early do they address that question? Like, how early do they address what is you know everything you're about to watch the next six episodes you know say they do it episode one here is how much it's going to affect your actual reality in the mcu where sam wilson is now cap wanda has now bad shit crazy reading the dark hold 
you know, like this is the phase four we know and love right now. How much is this going to affect that in any sort of way? You know, we're what nine years back at this point. Yeah. You know, at least yeah, if damn, we, if, yeah. if we assume we're at 2012, we're nine years behind. How much is that going to affect moving forward? I wonder how quickly they establish that they're going to have to, there's going to be a line of dialogue. I assume from Owen Wilson explaining you know what is happening in this show how it directly affects everything else and there's always the chance that a rule gets broken and that's how they creep in to the main mcu but i'm just more excited to find out what loki being this agent of chaos means for everybody else you know i'm a big continuity guy you know i've said it time and time again so that's why i'm it's weird i'm like least excited for this project out of any of the other projects but I'm most excited at the fact that this is going to tell a such a unique, dare I say it, because I know there's a four-letter word in modern-day cinema, a one-off story. You know, Loki could be its own separate franchise where it kind of, you know, something that people, you know, if you've been on Twitter, you know, this is going to, could be Loki going through different points of history. Pompeii, uh, 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 Davy uh, Cooper. D.B. Cooper, D.B. Cooper, yeah, without yeah. a paddle. Great movie, by the way. Um, yeah. D.B. Cooper, you know, you know, different points of history where Loki had an influence on through this journey. Maybe that's all this show is—is is filling in the gaps of history. But Loki's there, you know, something sure. super funny like that. You know, it's like that meme going around right now where they got Edward Norton in the jumpsuit in the back of every group picture ever. Oh, uh, Robert Pattinson, you mean? What I say, Edward Norton. Wow, how'd I get there? I have no idea. <laughs> what was his name in Twilight? Oh, uh, Edward. Hey! Yeah, Edward, Edward Cullen, I think. I did like it. I did it. Um, yeah, but you got Robert Pattinson in the back of every picture, right? Maybe that's this. This is how much Loki has affected America, the world's history. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just don't know what to expect from a grand scheme of this show. So um, I guess this moves us down to like, you know, where we stand, we know this is 2012 Loki being brought into this situation. The trailers have done a great job catching us up to um, kind of the vibe of all this. You know what I mean? Like, we all saw Endgame. Two zillion people saw Avengers Endgame. So we know what happened to Loki. The trailers have done a good job getting us at least from there to roughly where 15, 20 minutes into the first episode is going to bring us, right? So, um, Liam, like, as far as where we stand, do you have anything else to offer as far as where we're starting from being such a unique, weird twist on MCU continuity, MCU just, you know, just streamline this. This is so, it's so different. Like Captain Marvel is really the only one where we've gotten a jump back situation, you know? And yeah. it's, it's so interesting. We're getting six episodes of it. Uh, in terms of where I stand going into the show, like I always use the word like cautiously optimistic, but I, I say that with projects that I have an expectation that there's a chance it could like flop. So I have no like caution going in. So maybe I'm just optimistic. I think that's what I am going into the show. So optimistic strange. that it's going to be a fun, uh, a fun time. And if this show, like you said, is a one-off and all it does is we just go through historical events and Loki's there and he factors in somehow, and it doesn't really affect the greater MCU, okay, Great. that's fine. Like, Season not two. every project has to be super, super consequential, which 
you know, as the MCU gets super expansive, you know, we're going to live in an era one day where we get 10 projects in one year. Not every single one of those has to factor into whatever the giant plan is to culminate in the next three phase saga, you know? Uh, but I do expect that this, this is a story that needs to be told in terms of the greater narrative, because I do not think that they're greenlighting projects uh, at Disney plus specifically with Marvel projects. I think that there are a lot of cash grab projects uh, with any, any streaming service looking at you friends reunion over on HBO max. Oh, but you, Oh, okay. We want to get into this right now. You want to talk shit? Cash grab. Are you kidding me? Did you That's watch lit- it? No, but I've seen the clips. Yeah, like, it's fantastic, Liam. I, no, I know your generation sure doesn't like to watch things. They just want to make assumptions based on tweets that they saw. But it was I, beautiful. I'm sure it's fantastic and all fans Come loved it. But on. it was done to get subscribers. Like, Who cares? Okay, sure. The sure. Snyder Cut happened, bro. Again, yeah, <laughs> cash grab. Cash, subscri- not even cash grab, subscriber <laughs> yeah, grab. Yeah. Fan grab is what it is. <laughs> there we go. Loki, I don't I don't know if they're they're structuring Loki to be like a subscriber grab show. I don't think any of these Marvel shows are supposed to be. Yeah. I think that they're all stories that are deemed important or slash worth telling. And I expect at least uh, at least 10% of it. Like because these are long shows. So yeah. 10% is still a hefty amount. At least 10% to have a, a bigger uh, impact on the greater MCU. But yeah, again, I'll label it going in optimistic, expecting a good time, not going to be disappointed if it's just a one-off. I I really like the way you put that. You know what I mean? 10% of this overall show could have an impact on the greater MCU, even if it's just introducing some sort of concept or idea. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we praise Guardians for introducing different concepts and ideas that make Captain Marvel better, that make Thor Ragnarok better, that make the MCU cosmic shows better. So... I think this could be just a very hyper supplemental is how I see this show. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've ranted and raved about how WandaVision and the Falcon one and the winter soldier really do feel like tie in trade comic books that tie into a major event. You know what I mean? Like you could read the 12 issue event and get the whole story. But if you really want the depth and detail of the story, you got to watch WandaVision. You got to watch the Falcon and the winter soldier. And I think this this one is going to be such a one-off, uh, you know, el- like you like to say, Elseworld um, vibe that yeah. it's going to be able to independently act without worrying about it. The only thing, and we're going to get into Q&A here right after this, so um, the only thing that, like, is going to upset me about this show, I don't think this show has any consequential you know, opportunities here. You know I mean? There's nothing this show can really do to mess up my MCU thought overall. They, for 25 straight projects, they have done a great job tying everything together, the Incredible Hulk exclu- excluded. Loki, though, ha- kind of has a free pass, being nine years back, being a completely alternate timeline, being about an organization that deals with alternate timelines. You know, it's got all of these free passes to kind of do it at once. Um, but I think that what I'm excited about most, um, what could break it for me, I guess. Um, what I'm nervous about most is what I meant to say. If they bring Loki back at the end of this, you know, if at the end of this show, Loki's in MCU main continuity again, I'm going to be kind of upset about that because we've, we've played the joke. He's died three times already. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that last one, Thanos had one of the greatest villain lines of all time. 
No more, uh, uh, no more resurrections this time. Yeah. We all felt that. That was the first ten minutes of Infinity War. Like mm. people forget, you know, that was a very intense moment. That was so lesser that if Loki ended up coming back. So that those are kind of my expectations. We got some questions, Matt. Let's questions talk about the them. Listeners. From the fans. From, from the, the people fans. who let us in their ears every single week, you idiots. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, we love we love uh, the engagement we get on socials. Honestly, it genuinely means the world to both myself and Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to do more Q&A segments. So I know that they're kind of like a staple of these primers uh, at this point. But, you know, we kind of... We're, we're going to head back into reviews. The so shows are going to get packed again. But, you know, once there are gaps, uh, we'd love to answer fan questions whenever possible. So mailbags definitely going to become a regular uh, throughout 2021 and the future of the direct podcast. But, Matt, we got some questions yep. over on the Twitter machine. Uh, the first one, we're going to go with uh, Caleb Garrett, longtime listener. My uh, man! Shout out, Caleb. Uh, he says this show, uh, kind of leading – off what we literally just talked about this show is a is a what if episode turned into a series what are the odds that the mcu continues this with different spin-off ideas love this question and i think uh hi if there's uh not not so much if the show is successful but if the response to a standalone else world still existing within the mcu is strong this show could get a lot of praise for certain aspects but people could say ah. Eh, didn't, I, w- I wish it factored in more. And I think that might like hesitate Disney a little bit, but if it booms in that aspect specifically, I think we could get uh, a whole different area of the MCU where we kind of explore the Elseworld stuff. Matt, what are your thoughts? I I would actually say low, weirdly enough. I feel like Loki oh. is such a unique character put in such a unique position to make this show really work with minimal exploration. You know, we all, like I said, we all saw Endgame. We know how Loki got here. How any character we're familiar with gets in this situation could be the first two episodes of the show, but we don't need that because we've been with this guy for a decade now. And so much character development has already been done. Yes, we need to put a hard stop on 2012 Loki and not expect Ragnarok or Infinity War Loki to show up. But we know who Loki is, what his motives are, just kind of what his mentality is. And the fact that he got here through Avengers Endgame is such a unique experience. And that's not to say that I don't think they'll continue doing this. Already announced the season two. Like I said, this could be just a very awesome experience of watching Loki experience world history through the eyes of, you know, just a asian of chaos and uh i'm excited to see how that's fleshed out moving forward absolutely we got another over on the twitter machine from julia delbell shout out uh julia writer for the direct.com i just really like this question she says there's been a lot of talk about this series getting to explore different sides of loki what kind of situation are you hoping to see him have to deal with uh my one off the top i think as we saw in the trailer he's going to be shown the consequences consequences of his actions and from a 2012 standpoint very intriguing because loki has been obsessed with power and control in that timeline right having him see what happens when that plan goes through slash fails getting him giving him the the kind of movie of dark world ragnarok infinity war having to see him watch that and then be faced later in this series with an opportunity to seize that power, but he mentally knows how it will go or how it could go at least. And knowing that there's a, yeah. there's a, there's a hero's journey to go here, but
but he's still 2012 Loki with those temptations. I think that kind of confrontation with his psyche is going to be very uh, intriguing to see. I don't have much to add here. I think that was a great way to answer that question. It's more his reaction to his story being played out in front of him is what I'm excited to see. You know what I mean? Like, how is he going to respond to, you know, giving himself over to Thanos and, and what he, you know, he could act like he could have got that knife in. He knew that was a sacrificial move, you know? Uh, and so I'm excited to see kind of how that plays out. There we go. Another one over on Twitter uh, from Leo Silverman. Go orange. Shout out Citrus TV. That's my boy. Uh, he says, right. how important do you think that the show's take on time travel will impact your opinion of the show overall? Matt, I'm curious. What are your thoughts? Um, time travel is always tricky. Obviously, it opens a can of worms that is hard to close. Uh, you know, moving forward in the MCU, we're all going to have to ask that question in some degree in the back of our minds. We haven't done it yet. Well, why don't they just travel back in time, right? Um, this is a different kind of time travel, though. This isn't really traveling back in time. This is we have traveled back in time and butterfly effect happened. This is kind of what butterfly effect would happen if Loki disappeared with the Tesseract. And we're going to get a very expansive look on that. And um, so I don't think it's going to really mentally make me think differently about the MCU as a whole because they're doing so much with time and time travel. I do think that, like you said earlier, with the 10% of the show affects the main continuity of the MCU, they're going to introduce elements here that help different projects down the line work with time travel in a more sophisticated way. Um, you know, it's it's something I talk about in the MCU all the time. They introduce certain things early in a very like nuanced way. So when they do come up later, we don't have to spend 30 minutes wrapping our head around it. You know, when they introduce the TVA into the main MCU continuity or even concepts that we learn from this show, we're going to be so much more comfortable with it right away and be able to really get to the meat of stories rather than spend 25% of any project explaining things like Loki's about to do in a fun, creative, different way. Absolutely. Not much to add. Uh, continuity is, is a make or break for me always. Uh, yeah. And I think that time travel is so ingrained into the MCU at this point because Endgame was so centered around it, but it's so delicate because you can't overuse it because then it, it starts to just, you know, as you said, it, it's a difficult lid to close and it starts to unravel things that you might have wanted to keep uh, more contained. But with this show, as we said off the top, the Time Variance Authority exists outside of time and space. So with time travel, keep it simple. Like this is a group yeah. that that has kind of the keys to the kingdom when it comes to time hopping. We literally see it in the trailer. They'll open a portal, go into a different timeline, do their business, and, you know, hopefully leave everything uh without consequence and make it seem like they were never there. So I don't really have a lot of worry uh, with time travel elements in this show, but I do understand that there is the potential that if it's done wrong, it could definitely detract um, from your enjoyment of the show. This, this does have big flop potential. I do think, you Oh know, yeah. as, as excited as we are. And, you know, I even said the floor is really high. There's a very specific one or two things this show could do that really does make us look on it sourly. And I said, it's bring Loki back into the main MCU continuity through the show, which I think would be a big mistake. And like you said, make time travel more of a, a joke than, you know, a very essential thing that happened in Endgame. You know what I mean? Handle yeah. it delicately because it was the crux of the biggest movie of all time. So we need to handle it delicately moving forward. Maybe, Liam, 
you know, something that positive come out of this. Maybe uh, this is the show that establishes time travel rules that prevent us from asking those questions down the line. Yeah. You know, maybe we learn something here that makes us think, oh, that's why they can't just go back in time. Yeah, I, I, I like that. One more question from the Bird app before we go over to Instagram. Uh, I love this question from Morgan. In the trailers, we see uh, at MorganTP98 on Twitter. Uh, give him a follow. Uh, in the trailers, we see Loki being directly involved in key moments of history, i.e. Pompeii and D.B. Cooper. What moments of history would you love to see Loki be directly involved in? Also, what Marvel characters would you like to see cameo in the series? We're going to focus on the first half of that question because it's a it's a thinker and I love it. That's awesome. Matt, do you got any off the top of your head? Because I'm, I'm kind of, I, I want to rack my brain here. Um, I, I don't know. I, there's so many great ones okay off the top the moon landing i'd love to see loki what uh, yeah, oh, man. Right? can you imagine so better than what i had damn i don't know just like That's him great. like him on the tv uh like in, in the background like you see like a little like like a little shadowy figure that'd be awesome conspiracy theories for years like oh people living on the moon nope it's just loki yeah um i i have a different answer for you okay and this is something that i guess i didn't mention earlier i'm excited about in this show we're, it looks like we're getting a lot of Earth-based stuff. What with the Pompeii and the rocks cart thing, it all seems very earthly, right? We're also going to get cosmic with this. This could be one of our biggest projects. You know, Thor has played with this a little bit. Ragnarok mostly, and I don't think they did it well at all in Ragnarok. By being in space and also on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not Ragnarok, Dark World. Dark Souls, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. they were in London for the last 20 minutes of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Just bad, right? Yeah. This is going to play with being on Earth, being in space, being on Earth, being in space. So what cosmic event could Loki have a hand in? Is there maybe a Galactus tie here that maybe we don't know about? Loki? Oh, brother. I know, I know. Yeah. We thought we thought uh, <laughs> Kang the Conqueror was big. Um, but, you know, Loki's been known to run with the biggest and baddest of the universe, I'm excited to see the expansion of his reach and influence on the timelines, whatever they might be. I like that. I like that. As we're answering this question, friend of the show, Thomas Carter Rochester literally sent him the exact same question. He said, what what moment in history, real and MCU, do you want Loki to dive into? Ask him right now what he wants him to dive into. I'll I'll ask him while while you pull up some uh, some Instagram questions. So I do have, I do have one Instagram question. It's kind of a weird one and I'll go off on a little bit. Who's the villain of this show? Super simple, right? Looking at it, really, this is our first anti-hero show or project in the MCU. You know, the anti-hero, you know, I was just, I just so happened to be in school around this time, but the anti-hero really took over uh, pop culture around, you know, 2010, 2011, what with the Breaking Bad and the the Game of Thrones. And, you know, anti-hero shows are you know, huge, wildly successful um, throughout media. And I think this is our first one from Marvel Studios. So who's the villain of this movie? That's going to be up to interpretation right away. Like I said, I'm suspicious about TVA right away. Um, Whoever Loki's going to be fighting in this, um, you know, seems to be some sort of antagonist. Loki could very well be the bad guy of this show, but we're rooting for him. It's different than WandaVision, right? Because Wanda was... Just such a horrible person, right? <laughs> she did so many yeah. terrible things, you know? But there's not a single moment throughout that show where you're like, ah, I hate Wanda. Not one time ever, right? 
we no. might get more of that in Loki. Not not so much I hate him, but like ah, he's a dick. He's a bad yeah. guy. So who's the villain of the show is a loaded question, and I think it's a question that Feige and everybody at Marvel Studios is excited to answer. Yeah, I'm gonna go with just because I, I want to give a straight answer and not just say I don't know because like, I don't really know. But uh, I'm gonna go with Lady Loki. I think okay. that Lady Loki is the gonna be the hooded figure that's messing with stuff, but because you know, still linked with mm-hmm. Loki somehow, it'll kind of go back to Loki always being the hero and villain of his own story. And I think that's kind of when where we get into the the deeper uh, narrative or, or deeper like emotional connection to this show uh, about like Loki's psyche, the same way WandaVision dealt with Wanda's grief. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier dealt with Sam Wilson's kind of identity. I think this show will will dive into Loki's like mental state and uh where where he is in this in this big picture right on last question in our q a section before we get out of here um is going to be who is miss minutes the popular cartoon character we have neglected to talk about this entire uh primer episode which has gone on for longer than i'm probably willing (laughs) to admit um it's her prominence in the trailers her prominence on the poster for those who don't know miss minutes looks like a clock a coin what is she like like i think she's i think she's like a, a clock so a she's mini, like a i don't i don't want to say stopwatch actually i mean if, if stopwatch would be cool yeah, yeah. yeah so she's like a tiny little clock with arms and legs and eyes very uh hanna-barbera cartoon type um you know just straight up cartoon character and she seems to be kind of the voice of the tva in these trailers a lot of people are wondering who she is because she's so prominent on the promotional material um, I think much like uh, uh, Renslayer and uh, Hunter B15. Um, I'm so excited to remember both those names. It took me so long to remember <laughs> that guy in WandaVision, um, who I forgot now, by the way. Uh, uh, yeah, Agent, Agent, uh, come on, we got to Jack Jackson, Jack Sparrow. So um, uh, Miss Minutes, I think, is going to play a creepy role in this one. Um, I'll look it up. <laughs> um, uh a creepy role here but um liam do you have any idea what miss minutes or i guess i guess something that we didn't talk about what are your thoughts on the tva in general do you do you understand their motives do you understand their reasoning etc i know tyler hayward Hayward. damn it oh my god it was gonna get that from memory look that up nope remembered it i literally my eyes were closed i'm like what is his name I typed in Human Ultron. I wrote, the, I wrote the theory article. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he was about, Ultron, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, you were asking about the TVA and their motives, right? What do you think about just the TVA in general? Do you have any idea how they're going to be approaching this show? Because Mobius does kind of seem like a rogue in the TVA a little bit. So, yeah. you know, what do we think we're going to get from this organization, the Time Variance Authority? I think it's going to make a lot of sense why they've like, you know, why they've never interfered. That's a question Eternals has to answer. TVA, I think it's very simple. They haven't interfered because no one's fucked anything up yet. And now Loki did. So now we're interfering. Now we're like making our presence felt. Uh, I think they're going to be pretty cut and dry. I could be wildly wrong on that, but I think that they are here to keep balance in the timeline. I don't think there's any ulterior motive. I think maybe you get one or two rogues within the ranks, but I kind of think that they're here to keep the peace and and do what what they set out to do, and that's maintain timeline continuity. They they are they are what what we love. They, we we 
Matt, you're you're a continuity guy. The TVA should be like the 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 people That's you're you're, my you're championing. You got the flag on in, in the background because yeah, I don't know. I you know what? Be, uh... You know what, Liam? Yeah. Biggest TVA fan you ever met, right here. There we go. That's TVA. my people. Keep the timeline straight. Don't fuck up with my timelines, Loki. Am I anti-Loki going into this thing? Maybe you're pro TVA, but I'm sorry. Thomas Carter Rochester just blew my mind with his response. You ready for this? Circling back to the question of, of where we want to see Loki uh, pop up in history. He wants to see him go to San Diego Comic-Con, ah. go on stage and tell the audience and chant his name, making this moment in our real life canon in the MCU. Can you imagine if they do that? Oh my God, Thomas Carter Rochester! I think you just broke my mind. We got to get him that, on this show. He we got to get him on this. show. He was an incredibly gracious host when he allowed me on lights. Uh, for those who don't know, Thomas uh, uh, was middle name. I'm sorry, Carter. Thomas Carter Rochester. Um, he is the co-host of Lights Thunder Action podcast, along with our colleague David Thompson. He, uh, he was such a great host when I came on his show. We got to get him on the show immediately. Talk about that theory specifically because he'll be here was electric bro that's amazing i hope that happens you I know they they, they did the thing uh with the uh balloon animals with dr strange and infinity war that happened on kimmel remember yeah oh there you go yeah. yeah yeah so thank you thomas you're the man uh, uh the lord of thunder uh thomas carter rochester and guys that has been our loki primer please make sure to check in every single week for updates on this incredibly weird and wild show and a little production note right here starting on june 9th no starting on june 11th yes. we will be releasing these uh our regular episodes of the direct podcast on fridays friday uh, uh fridays are the new sundays marvel fridays okay. take a whole new meaning when the direct podcast drops at the end of your week because loki is released on wednesdays we will now be releasing episodes on friday you can expect episode 36 at your regularly scheduled time this sunday we're putting in double duty because we care about you guys but um after episode 36 moving into july uh june 11th expect the direct podcast to come to you on fridays tell your friends tell your family let us know what you think let us know what you want changed about our show these primers we want to listen to you we want to give you the content you want thank you so much for rocking with them uh liam give me that loki quote i love so much we'll see you every friday because we will be burdens with glorious purpose yeah <laughs>